Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And I'm broadcasting from Jaja Wurrung Country. Today we will first hear from Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective who will talk about the Tamil family and generally about how the new Albanese government can help asylum seekers and refugees. After that, we'll talk with senior lawyer Josephine Langbini from the Human Rights Law Centre, who has called on the new government to take action to end a decade of cruelty against refugees and asylum seekers seeking safety. Finally, we will interview Narita Waite, a proud Yotta Yotta woman and CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Narita has been at Vales for almost a decade and has a vast amount of experience as both a lawyer and social justice advocate. We will interview her about the case challenging age pension discrimination for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as it heads to full federal court later this year. But first up, we will speak with Chris. Hi, we're the Marindas and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am. No crime, no time. Fix Victoria's bail laws now. Prisons are bursting at the seams with poor people. Istra Melbourne is calling on the Victorian government to release unsentenced people on remand from Victorian prisons. First Nations people are 3% of the population, yet represent 29% of the general prison population. 89% of First Nations women entering prison are unsentenced. Istra Melbourne is asking you to sign the No Crime, No Time petition, which can be found on Istra Melbourne's Facebook page. Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we would like to welcome Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective onto the show. Hello, Chris. Hi, thanks for having me on. Lovely to have you. It always seems like a a different era in some ways, doesn't it? Having a, a new government, and but uh, time will tell, won't it? I'm wondering if you uh, could just... You yeah. Yes, I am. No. Oh, yeah, is it okay? Yes, you know, it's, it's fine. I was just going to say, yes, it, it does feel like a different era. I think a lot of people are feeling relieved to see the back of the uh, Morrison government. Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, there are there are things to really observe, aren't there, in this new election, and we have to, we need to be cautious, or yeah, post-election, I, I should say. Could you just start off by talking generally about, 
you know, the position of the Refugee Action Collective or what your views are in regards to the Albanese government and, and refugees? Uh, sure. Uh, we uh, we called for the um, coalition government to be kicked out, and so we were um, very happy with the results. Um, the, uh, having said that, there are some important changes that the Albanese government is bringing in that are welcome, but there is much more that is has still to be won. Um, so there are immediately 19,000 uh, refugees on um, temporary visas or CHEV visas who will get permanent visas, uh, which is very welcome. Uh, but there are still refugees being left behind. Um, and Anthony Albanese in his uh, victory speech, election speech, said he wanted to govern uh, for nobody to be left behind so that, you know, um, vulnerable and disadvantaged people were taken care of. And we see they say that that needs to include refugees. Uh, so there are uh, over 10,000 people on bridging visas who won't get uh, permanent visas. Uh, that includes the Medivac refugees. It includes the uh, Maragupan family who are going back to Bilawila. Uh, includes the children and families off uh, Nauru. It also includes uh, 9,700 um, refugees on bridging visas who were rejected by the fast track uh, system, which meant that they didn't even get interviews um, about their asylum claims. And Labor is scrapping that system, which is very good, but they haven't said anything about reviewing the cases of you know people who were unfairly treated uh, by it. Uh, there will also still be um, uh, 200 uh, refugees offshore who are being left behind. Uh, now, many of them are on uh, pathways to the US or Canada, but even with the New Zealand deal, um, you know, those people who have spent time offshore, there's still, you know, 505 places um, short. And we're certainly saying that, you know, the, the Medivac refugees and the children and families here who started to establish lives here, who work here, who have children who go to school here, who've got relationships here, uh, they should be allowed to stay here. Um, the other issue of refugees being left behind is um, Indonesia. So there are currently around 14,000 UNHCR recognised refugees in Indonesia who've been stranded there for a decade. Uh, perhaps in worse circumstances than those who spent time on Manus and Nauru. So they can't open bank accounts. Uh, they can't get health care. They can't work legally. Their children often can't go to school. Um, and uh, they were banned from coming here by Tony Abbott, the coalition government. Uh, Labor has said it will consider uh, helping the UNHCR in uh, Indonesia, which is positive, uh, but there is yet no process, no numbers, no time frame. Um, and that's, a, you know, another issue that we would like to see resolved. Um, I guess what people might have noticed mostly with the Albanese government is the uh, Murugupan family uh, going back to, you know, Bilawila, and that's an important bit of symbolism, but it needs to go much further. Uh, they should be given permanent visas, like after everything they've been through. It's you know it's an insult to keep them on bridging visas that they, um, you know, that they've got no right to welfare. There are study limitations. Um, 
And also the same day that the Albanese government announced that they were going back to Bilawila, um, you know, they turned a boat of asylum seekers back to Sri Lanka, and those people are in the very same sort of circumstances as the Murugupan family, um, and they won't get a chance to put in asylum claims. They'll just be turned back to, to danger without ever having that chance. And so we think that boat turn back need to be turned back as well. Thank you. I was just I was just about to ask you to clarify that about the the boat the turn back you know the boat turnbacks. It's a really really difficult situation. It seems very contradictory. Uh, it is contradictory. It's um, I mean I think the 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 changes are a um, a tribute to the strength of the refugee movement. Uh, you know, refugees themselves have held uh, many big lively rallies uh, for permanent visas. It's something the refugee community has long uh, fought for. Um, you know, similarly, the, uh, even under the coalition government, the you know vast majority of the Medivac refugees were freed by the you know struggle both inside and outside of detention. Uh, there are six um, still inside detention, and we would be expecting, uh, you know, those refugees to be freed. But you know, there's still another 200 refugees um, uh, in Australian detention centres, um, and so even though the, the change, the tribute to the refugee movement, um, we haven't been strong enough yet to win uh, some of the much more fundamental changes to to break uh, Labor completely from the idea that deterrence needs to be part of the policy suite uh, rather than uh, welcoming refugees. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, I'm going to be interviewing Josephine from the Human Rights Law Centre. She's a senior lawyer about further about this after you. And we're going to be speaking about the disastrous fast-track system that... Um, that underpin some of these visas. Can you talk about that briefly? Um, oh, the fast track uh, system was implemented uh, by the coalition government essentially to reject people wholesale. It was a political measure. Yeah. Um, and so asylum seekers uh, didn't get um, interviews or sometimes they only got a five-minute interview. Uh, they could be rejected on the basis of um, country material. Uh, so saying that Sri Lanka is safe, it's not. Um, there's, or, you know, or that Kabul was safe. Um, actually, there's a, a refugee, uh, Nazir, whose artwork we use a lot, fantastic artwork, who is still held in Mitre Detention Centre after eight years, um, who was rejected on the basis, uh, I don't know if it was fast track or not, but he was rejected on the basis that uh, Kabul was supposed to be safe to return to in Afghanistan. Um, you know, again, oh. it's not. The Australian Army has, has, has um, left uh, Kabul. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous, but well, it's outrageous. He's still still held. Uh, so the fast-track system is completely unfair. There was no appeal rights, uh, so appeals to the Administrative Appeals Tribunal um, were, were cut out. Um, so Labor is, uh, well, their policy is um, committed to uh, scrapping the fast track system and restoring appeal rights, uh, but they are silent on what they will do with the cases of people who've gone through this system, which you know is, is completely unfair. It is unfair, and you know 
I was just talking previously before about the um, the Tamil family and about how they're only being given bridging visas. Why is that? Um, it's <laughs> it's because of uh, the Albanese's uh, government's a commitment to offshore processing and the 2013 rule uh, when, you know, Kevin Rudd said that no asylum seeker who came by boats after 2000, or maybe it was 2012, 2013, uh, would ever be allowed to resettle in Australia. And so that still hasn't been um, ditched. And the uh, the Billa Wheeler family, if they were given permanent visas, it would set a precedent and so it's the same reason that the Medivac refugees, even though they've now been released and they're in the community, um, none of them have been given permanent visas uh, either. It's that, that same rule. Um, and that's one thing I should add about the fast track system. It wasn't actually fast. It was only fast in justice. Exactly. Like people could wait years uh, still to get processed. Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much for coming onto the program. And it's it's really important that, the Refugee Action Collective is able to speak on air about this because all of you have done incredible work. Um, are there any final comments that you wanted to make? Yes, we've got a, a big rally coming up on uh, World Refugee Day. Uh, well, for refugees, it's Saturday beforehand, so June the 18th, 1 o'clock at the State Library. Uh, we will have a focus on the refugees on bridging visas, uh, one of them a tenor who's you know, in year 12, also a junior taekwondo champion, but not allowed to travel interstate because of um, her bridging visa conditions. We'll uh, co-chair the rally. We'll have a speaker via Indonesia from uh, via phone and uh, one of the Medivac refugees. So we'd really encourage people to, to come along uh, to say to the Albanese government that the, the permanent visas are a welcome start, but it needs to go much, much further. Absolutely. Chris, thanks so much for your time and, you know, hopefully listeners can rock up to that rally on the 18th of June. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Bye. Bye. 3CR Radiothon 2022. Keep communities strong. We need your financial support to be independent, community-controlled and focus on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon keeps the station strong and enables us to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon, show your support during June 2022. 3CR, keep community strong. And it's approximately 4.15 and you're with the Doing Time show 3CR Community Radio. The Human Rights Law Centre has welcomed the appointment of Claire O'Neill as the Minister for Home Affairs and Andrew Giles as the Minister for Immigration, Citizenship and Multicultural Affairs and has called on them to take action to end a decade of cruelty against refugees and people seeking safety. And that's actually a quote from a recent media release put out by the Human Rights Law Centre. And we'll be interviewing Josephine next um, from the Human Rights Law Centre, and she will introduce herself um, and give a little bit of her background and then talk about what's happening 
with the Albanese government and, and policies. And I believe that the media release has also talked about some very, very specific demands. Hi, Josephine. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marissa. Thanks, for, thanks so much for having me on. It's really nice to be here with you. It's lovely to have you. Josephine, could you just tell us your full name, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's Josephine Langbian. I'm a senior lawyer with the Human Rights Law Centre. Lovely. And I suppose we know quite a lot about the Human Rights Law Centre. I've been interviewing um, quite a few lawyers there over, over many years. But I'm wondering if you could just talk about what's been happening with the work that's been done recently in regards to asylum seekers and refugees. Absolutely. Um, Marissa, you referred to our uh, media release that we um, sent out last week and that was really in response to the federal election. We've seen a change of government and two new ministers uh, coming into the home affairs and immigration portfolios. And we are really seeing this as an opportunity to um, hopefully change the way people seeking safety are treated in Australia and to start restoring some humanity and, and fairness to our refugee policies in this country. So this is a really um, rare moment of hope. Um, we're feeling very hopeful in, in our team here at, at the Human Rights Law Centre, but I also know that thousands of people in the Australian community who have been uh, impacted by these um, policies of cruelty really over the last decade um, are also feeling that moment of hope. Absolutely. And in fact, people fleeing persecution have lost years of their lives, haven't they, to abuse and mistreatment by the Australian government? It's true. Um, it, it's really true. It's, um, for, for, for too long, the federal government has really used um, cruelty, um, mistreatment, neglect as, as a part of our um, intentional policies against people seeking safety as part of um, that effort to deter people and discourage them from coming here to seek protection. So that that has meant that uh, people have been locked up for years in offshore detention or kept on uh, temporary visas that are designed to stop them from truly making a home here in Australia. Uh, so I, I, we really hope that now is the time uh, for change and for a different attitude. There's there's so much work to be done to, to try and um, repair our refugee determination processes. Uh, but we hope that um, compassion and dignity can start guiding Australia's refugee policies going forward. Indeed, and I suppose I shouldn't have used the word demands. It's somewhat confrontational, isn't it? But <laughs> I believe in the media release you stated that, you know, it was stated that the Human Rights Law Centre has outlined five steps um, that ministers could begin taking. Could you just yes. outline those steps? Of course, and, and these are... These are things that we see as the priority areas for change, um, things that the new government should get started on right away. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, there's, there's so much work to be done. These are just, um, these are just a few steps. So in, in our perspective, um, by ending the use of temporary protection, uh, shutting down offshore detention, addressing the crisis in uh, immigration detention centres within Australia... Uh, bringing families back together and restoring our humanitarian resettlement program. Um, 
through addressing these issues, the new government can, can start to allow thousands of people to, to finally rebuild their lives uh, in safety. So there's a lot involved um, with each of those topics that I mentioned, so I'm happy to dive into more detail about any of those if you, if you like. I suppose it's just really important to, to say here that, you know, families shouldn't be split, can't be split up anymore. And that it's important, isn't it, to to have a complete overhaul of the the family migration system? Absolutely, that that family migration system is, is really broken in a lot of ways, and as part of that, uh, separation from family members has been used as an intentional tactic to punish people who have sought safety in Australia, and that whole system is in desperate need of reform. Uh, there was a Senate committee uh, that just a few months ago made bipartisan recommendations to, to completely overhaul the family migration program uh, because, you know, reuniting with your loved ones really should be fair and fast and accessible to everybody. So, um, you know, that, that's going to involve um, repealing some of the, the laws and policies that expressly block people from family reunions simply because of how they arrived in Australia in the first place. Uh, we're also going to need to see an increase in the number of family visas that are available and um, the government's going to have to take action to address the, the massive waiting times and the extraordinary uh, delays in the processing of family visa applications. Uh, and also look at things like reducing the application fees for those visas so that, you know, it doesn't cost $7,000 just to get an application in to reunite um, with your partner or your child. So lots of work to be done there. Absolutely. And indeed, we do need to really stop offshore processing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this year will be, um, this year will mark the ninth year since people were sent to offshore detention in Nauru and Papua New Guinea. And there are still more than 100 people in Nauru um, and, and a number of people that have been completely abandoned by the Australian government in Papua New Guinea. Uh, so it is beyond time to shut down offshore processing for good. Um, we need to we need to shut down those um, those camps because the atrocities that have happened in those regional processing centres should never be repeated. Um, you know, people people were assaulted, people suffered medical neglect, uh, children were intensely traumatised, and and people died. So we really do need to end this incredibly dark chapter. And people who have been subjected to offshore detention deserve a safe and permanent home and uh, and justice for what has happened to them. Absolutely. Well, I'm hoping that the the new ministers do something because they've got quite immense power, haven't they, over the lives of of, of those people? They really do. The the powers that are given to um, the Minister for Home Affairs and the Minister for Immigration under our current legal system are they're huge powers. They're extremely um, wide ranging. So yes, these uh, our new ministers O'Neill and, and Minister Giles they have immense power over the lives of people um, who have come here seeking safety. And I think that the Australian community really expects uh, that power to be exercised with. Um, fairness and compassion. We really hope to see that happen. Well, I hope so. And I, I know. Look, I keep mentioning 
this quite a lot but I, on, on this show, but I really am quite appalled at this boat turn back mm. when, they turn, when the boats are turned mm. back by the government. Mm. It, it was really disappointing to see that in the first few days um, of this new government, we saw people who had arrived uh, from Sri Lanka forcibly returned to the place that they had fled from without a proper assessment of their protection claims. Um, that, that is really worrying because uh, intercepting boats at sea and returning people um, without a proper assessment process is, is really dangerous and it risks breaching international law and it risks um, putting people's lives um, in really serious danger. So uh, I really hope... Um, to see a change in that practice. Absolutely. Josephine, it's been great talking to you and I, I really am really happy that you were able to talk about this media release in detail because it does have quite a lot of steps here to for, the, for these ministers to follow. And if they followed all these steps, can you imagine what a different world we would be? Oh, absolutely. Um there's there's so much to be done, but we're in a situation where, you know, the Albanese government has made some really positive commitments already, but we know that there are some other areas that we're going to need to keep pushing and we're going to need to keep working on. Um, but I think this government is going to have uh, a lot of friends in both uh, the lower house and the Senate if it wants to push these reforms through. So uh, I really hope um, to see some action on these fronts uh, quite soon. Indeed, I hope so. And I believe the Greens quite, got quite a few seats too, didn't they? Uh, they did. It's, um, it was a really interesting uh, result for the Greens this election and, and, and I hope that sends... Um, a clear message um, to everybody in Parliament as well. You know, there's no such thing as a safe seat anymore, that's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Josephine, thank you so much for coming onto the program. I'm wondering, have you got any final comments before we finish? Uh, thanks for having me, Marissa. And, um, no, I, you know, I would just... Um, say to, to your listeners, as always, to, um, you know, keep following um, what what our government is actually delivering on. It's great to see these um, these promises for, for a few changes. It, it's great that we're going to see the end of um, temporary protection visas, for example, but um, we need to continue uh, holding our elected representatives to account. Uh, so if there are things you feel strongly about and, and, and you think the government's not delivering, um, let's stay engaged, let's keep writing to our local members um, and make sure we keep the pressure up. Thanks so much, Josephine. It was lovely Thanks, to have Melissa. you. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Online and in cinema, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival will be running online from the 1st to the 31st of July and at Cinema Nova from the 21st to the 31st of July. Canvassing the world's best docos from South by Southwest, Tribeca and Hot Docs, as well as the best Australian content. Check out the lineup and book today at mdff.org.au or cinemanova.com.au. 
the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. The revolution in Rojava is a beacon of hope for the world, putting direct democracy and feminism into practice on a broad scale. This radical attempt at social transformation now faces huge challenges, including daily attacks by the Turkish military with little outside recognition or aid. Show your support for Rojava by joining North East Syria Solidarity, or NESS, and help ensure the survival of this inspiring experiment in social change. NESS sends aid, raises awareness and builds solidarity. Get involved at www.nessolidarity.org.au. NESS is a 3CR supporter. Subscribe to 3CR. Where else can you hear radical news, analysis, music and opinions? Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Thank you, 3CR. We love you. And you're back with the Do and Time show. And we are hopefully going to be interviewing Narita um, from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Narita Waite, proud Yorta Yorta woman. And we're hoping to interview her about how the federal court has ordered that a case against the federal government seeking fair and equal access to the age pension for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders people, Islander people, will be heard by the full court of the general court later this year to determine important questions of law. And we did interview about this quite some time ago now. It's taken so long for it to come back, hasn't it? And Uncle Dennis has been um, instrumental in helping with, with all this. Um, he's the one that's actually taking the government to court. And yes, and I've, I hope I'd really like to welcome Narita to the show. Hello, Narita. Welcome. Thank you. Okay, let's keep this maybe a little bit short, Narita, if, if you wish. Um, are you able to just talk about what's happened? There was a Human Rights Law Centre actually put out a media release about this. Are you aware of that? Uh, yes, uh, you would have seen that. Um, Val was on that media release um, as well. Um, and what the media release talks to is that the federal court case against the federal government seeking fair and equal access to the age pension for Aboriginal and Islander people will return. Um, yes. Returned for interim hearing, um, and uh, exciting news um, has obviously proceeded um, to the full bench of the federal court. Um, it's still, though, important to note that the new Albanese government um, can still take the initiative to address age pension inequality out of court by making very simple changes to the eligibility age for Aboriginal for other people. Um, and I'm sure um, you know everybody who's listening to this is aware. Um, of the age gap between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. Um, when we're looking at how long our people live for, I mean, my mum died at 53, my uncle um, not long after, uh, way before he could um, reach pension age, and it is discriminatory that our people can't access the age pension by virtue of their life expectancy. 
Absolutely, Nerija, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because there really is quite a lot of misunderstanding and even racism in regards to this topic, isn't there, where, you know, they... I've often heard even individuals say, oh, but, you know, why Aboriginal people, why should they have to get the pension and, and other benefits? They don't understand. No. I mean, the Aboriginal Islander men have an average life expectancy of 8.6 years lower than our Indigenous men, and Aboriginal Islander women's lives are an average 7.8 years shorter than non-Aboriginal women. So... Certainly, um, the evidence and the statistics back us up um, that we should have access to the pension earlier so that we can actually access it before we die. Uh, that's why Val, a lot of human rights law centre, is assisting Uncle Dennis to bring this case um, before the court because it's incredibly important to our people to have equal access to the opportunities and the, and, uh, the benefits that that is provided by federal or state and territory governments. Absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, I think there was a court case recently that, um, and it was, but it was very short, wasn't it? It was adjourned? Correct. Um, wow. But I mean, you know, Uncle Dennis has been working on this for years, um, and we've been happy to work alongside him for those years. Um, in order to get this up because at the end of the day, each and every day in every community, um, we see the government fail to provide support services, needs to close that life expectancy gap, whether it be health, whether it be education, whether it be justice or whether it be all of the domains. Um, each and every day, we find it harder to access the services we need. However, when you look at the overrepresentation of our people with justice system, um, it is very hard for them to access services whilst in prison. And in fact, um, in Victoria, they have poor equivalency of healthcare, uh, which, as we're seeing in the case of Ronnie Nelson, can lead ultimately to their death. So it's incredibly important that where we can, um, we fight the system to be fair and equal for us to have substantive access um, to those benefits that the system affords everybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's very difficult. You know, there's transgenerational trauma. There are so many different things. And I'm wondering if you could, if you would feel comfortable um, saying to us, telling listeners, why do Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people die earlier? Mm. I mean, certainly that's something um, that a health professional is more qualified to speak on. Um, but, I mean... Uh, Obviously, working in the field, I do. Um, I have exposure to these issues. And a lot of it is is the history of colonialism. I mean, it, we're not that far from the colonial project. It's only been 200 years. And in those 200 years, our communities and our people have suffered innumerable wrongs, which has affected uh, their health, um, their education and their socioeconomic levels. And all of those things matter when it comes to life expectancy. If you have um, safe and affordable housing, if you have employment and a steady income, if you have a high level education, you are likely to live longer. It's just the fact. It's very true what you're saying, Narita. Look, I, I won't ask you this, this next question today because I think that's a, this is a question for another show. But at some stage, I really am wanting to interview someone about 
treaty and the statement of the heart because in some ways this is relevant but we won't go into that today because we're really talking about you know what's happening with the court case but it's 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 really appalling honestly it, it is and you know the productivity commission last year confirmed that the target of equal life expectancy is actually not on track to be met by 2031 that the gap in life expectancy can only be closed if the federal government honours its commitments under the National Agreement of Closing the Gap to partner with Aboriginal and people, which is yet to be seen. Um, and this case aims to support that vital work by holding them accountable um, for those commitments and encouraging them to support our people to implement self-determined solutions to close the gap. Uh, all we're asking here is that our people have equal rights to retire in dignity. And lowering uh, the pension age finally does that, but it also helps improve economic participation, financial security, and the well-being of our people who can no longer work. That's all we're after. Exactly. And, and 50 is a very young age. It is. It is. I mean, you know, um, it's, uh, it's a sad tale in our family um, that many of us die quite early. I mean, my grandmother at 26, my mum at 53. Um, and my uncle shortly after he's 16. So it, it is something that we struggle with every day. Um, this is not something that's anomaly in our community. It is the norm. Um, and until, until we can actually close um, that gap in life expectancy, we should lower the pension age so that our people can retire in dignity. I mean, they've worked just as hard as any other Australian, but because of a history of colonialism, a history of barriers in economics and education, they just don't have um, the same ability to live longer and enjoy the age pension. And yet this, is, this has been happening for years and years and the, the successive governments have done nothing so far. Years and years and years. Um, I, I'm sure um, anybody who's listening can recall people in their own family who have died well before the pension age whether it be their mum, um, their sister, their uncle, um, their great-aunt or grandparents, um, they've all got this story to tell. Absolutely. Marisha, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It was really lovely to have you. And I'm, I'm wondering, finally, with the, the, the court, that a date hasn't yet been set, has it? No, not yet. Um, I'm sure everybody understands with the COVID-19 um, pandemic, court suffered um, considerable setback, which is why it's just taken this long to get this stage. So um, waiting for a date uh, might just take a little bit longer. Thanks so much. And I wanted to actually thank um, Pat from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service for organising this interview. Thanks a lot, Narita. Not a problem. Hopefully we can talk more about treaty or respect of the heart and maybe then overall we drop the system in future. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't want to ask you any questions about that today because I thought you'd want to be more prepared. Yeah, no, let's <laughs> come in with a prepared conversation. <laughs> um, and, yeah, really get to the heart of it, so to speak. What's that, sorry? Well, let's come uh, prepared to really get to the heart of the conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll do that very soon, Narita. Not a problem. Have a lovely afternoon. Goodbye. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hi, we're from Fitzroy Primary School and you're listening to Community Radio on 3CR.
They cautioned First Nations peoples that this ad contained sensitive content about the stolen generations. For many Aboriginal Victorian community members, the trauma from forced removal still runs deep. In consultation with community, the Victorian Government has developed the Stolen Generations Reparations Package. We acknowledge there is still more to be done to address injustice experienced by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. For more information, contact 1800 566 071 or please visit the website. A 3CR supporter. I'm gonna keep on walking Cause I've been walking for days There are blisters on my feet And they turn to crazy It's like I'm walking through a maze Up my own Cause running from something Just to turn around and find You were running from yourself Cause everything that once felt real does not feel anymore Cause everything that once felt real does not feel anymore Around here, around here, around here, around here Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year. 
Independent community media is vital, and we need your support to keep community strong. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au, call the station on 03-9419-8377, or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during business hours. 3CR. Keep Keep community community strong. And you're back with the Doing Time Show, 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial. Streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And it's approximately 4.44. And you just heard um, three interviews. Um, The last interview was with Narita Waite from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service in regards to a court case um, focusing on age discrimination for the pension of Aboriginal people. And before that, we heard an interview with Chris, uh, sorry, with um, Josephine from the Human Rights Law Centre, um, speaking about refugees and asylum seekers and some hopefully um, new policies, different policies that the Albanese government can adopt. And we spoke with Chris Breen about this um, topic in a similar manner um, at four o'clock. So before we actually finish, I wanted to read out a very quick article from the Human Rights Law Centre. And this is a media release that I'm hoping to interview somebody about this in the next couple of weeks. But of course, next Monday, we do have our Radiothon show for um, the Doing Time show and other shows at 3CR. So it'll be after that. And this media release is entitled Routine Strip Searching of Children in Tasmanian Jails to End to End. Long overdue laws that will end the routine strip searching of children, Tasmanian jails have passed the Tasmanian Parliament. The Tasmanian Aboriginal Legal Service and Human Rights Law Centre said that while while the reform was a positive development, the Rockcliffe government must go further by reducing the number of children being pipelined into Tasmanian detention centres in the first place. This includes raising the age of criminal responsibility to at least 14 because children do not belong in detention. Overly broad laws in Tasmania currently permit the practice of routine strip searching, which involves forcing children as young as 10 to remove their clothing in front of adult prison guards on a regular basis. Data obtained by the Human Rights Law Centre prompted calls of reform showing that 203 strip searches were performed over a six-month period in 2018 with no contraband found. The new review of Youth Justice Amendment Searches in Custody Bill 2022 provides that children in detention should only ever be searched when it's necessary for a designated purpose and that the manner and type of the search must be disproportionate to that purpose, must be proportionate to that purpose. I beg your pardon. This law should mean the end of strip searching as a matter of prison routine and must now be implemented in a way which ensures that no child in Tasmania is ever routinely strip searched again. Working with key stakeholders in the implementation of the bill will be a very important step in the process. Hannah Phillips State Manager, Tasmanian Aboriginal Legal Service. Strip searches are degrading for everyone, particularly children. There are other means of checking if someone 
going into or out of jail or detention is carrying anything that may harm or hurt themselves or others. Strip searching is particularly distressing and damaging for victims of abuse and can compound trauma. A child should not be forced to deal with this or raise it with someone in a position of authority in an environment like a prison. The Tasmanian Aboriginal Legal Service looks forward to working with the Rockcliffe Government to ensure that the laws are implemented in a way that bans the routine strip searching of children in Tasmanian, Tasmania once and for all. The next step is for the Tasmanian Government to stop children entering detention facilities in the first place. This starts with raising the minimum age of criminal responsibility to at least 14 years old. It should not take a child being criminally charged with an offence and being brought to court and for action to be taken in respect for the real issues in that child's life. Homelessness, poverty, intergenerational disadvantage, trauma and mental and physical health conditions need to be addressed rather than criminalising the behaviour that grows from aspects of a child's life. They have no control over. Nick S. Espy, Legal Director of the Human Rights Law Centre. Being forced to remove every last item of clothing again and again can be a traumatic and intimidating experience that can have detrimental effect on children and robs them of their dignity. There is no evidence that routine strip searching is effective in identifying contra contraband or has a deterrent effect. Abuse thrives behind bars and overly broad laws have permitted the routine strip searching of children in Tasmanian jails for far too long. Now Tasmania should lead the way and raise the minimum age of criminal responsibility from 10 to at least 14 years old. Children should be in schools and playgrounds with their families and in their communities, not locked up in jail cells. The Rockliffe government has an opportunity to show leadership on this issue. It should raise the age as a matter of, of priority. So I've read out most of that media release. It is an edited version, but I just wanted to um, let listeners know what's going on in Tasmania, and we do need to cover more um, more work in Tasmania, do more work there with interviews. It's approximately 4.50, and pretty soon we're going to be nearing the end of our show. Just wanted to say as well that these interviews and other interviews that we've done on this show over many years is often material that is not aired on mainstream media. We do have our Radiothon coming up next week and we ask that listeners um, try to donate to all shows at 3CR. We have our Do and Time show, um, Radiothon show on Monday from 4 to 5pm. So tune in and hopefully... Um, we will meet our target of $850. It's really important um, that listeners donate to keep our our show on air for another year. And I think we may try to get, get into a few more announcements. you have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home? We'll drop them in at 3CR and put them in the books and boots bin. 
Books and Boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional First Nations communities and children across the country. Contact us at Books and Boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au We love a good book. CR Radiothon 2022. 3CR, keep community strong. 3CR Radiothon fundraiser, June 2022. To donate, call 03-9419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2022, keep community strong. And you're back with the Doing Time Show, and it's approximately 4.52, and I'll be saying goodbye in a second. But, yes, keep communities strong. That's the theme for Radiothon this year. And Australia has one of the most concentrated media landscapes in the world. Your donation directly supports community-owned and community-run media free of corporate control. And, yeah, so 3CR has has um, hundreds of... Um, different broadcasts and shows and there's plenty to choose from to donate. But please donate to all shows at 3CR. Pick up the phone now if you want, 94198377. I'm already getting into it and it's not even Monday yet. But um, yeah, stay tuned for this Monday in particular, 4 to 5, for the Doing Time Show special Radiothon broadcast. I have a wide range of guests coming onto the show who will talk about um, why, why, people need to donate to the show. And, of course, I will be bringing you a few snippets and highlights um, of, of the year as well. So it's goodbye from Marissa. Stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show. Stay strong. Bye. I'm
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.